Island Minds, a mental health podcast. Please note, these episodes deal with topics that some listeners may find distressing. For suggested contacts, please see the show notes on our Facebook page after this episode. Hello and welcome everyone to episode four of Island Minds. Today we are joined by Liam. Now, Liam, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. How's lockdown been for you? Uh, Well, yeah, not (laughs) too bad right now. Um, Yeah, things are uh, are pretty good, um, all things considered. Uh, Lockdown has been a roller coaster somewhat, um, as I'm sure it has been for everybody and I'm very much uh, enjoying the fact that there feels like there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are uh, hopefully coming out of this situation into a, a brighter world um but uh, but yeah yeah as I say it has definitely been uh, it's been it's been a roller coaster obviously I you know I, I work in the arts so um that industry has been hit incredibly hard um, and is uh, really just starting to try and find a way of getting back on its feet. So yeah, yeah, roller coaster. That would be the word I would use for for my experience of lockdown. <laughs> Definitely. I think most of our listeners would relate to that. I think roller coaster is probably one of the most accurate and appropriate terms for what we've all just lived yeah. through. <laughs> Initially, I, in a weird way, quite enjoyed the first lockdown in a sort of bizarre kind of way. Yeah, I mean, obviously the news and things like that was. Mm. horrifying to see the, the 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 numbers kind of shooting up and things like that mm. but in terms of um kind of being given permission to down tools and not stress about having to uh, hustle and grind and graft and all that sort of stuff it was you know um <laughs> you, you you're allowed to sort of bask in a little bit of unemployment like guilt free which uh, which doesn't happen very often in the in, in, in my industry, so um, I was sort of, yeah, kind of taking advantage of that. Sorry, I've steamed straight ahead. You should no, 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 do that's... the rest of your introductions. I apologise. No, no, that's fine. And I think me and Tia also um, had a a similar experience in that there were parts of lockdown that we enjoyed because we work in a local tourist attraction. But the job that me and Tia specifically do is we look after their donkeys, and obviously, pandemic mm-hmm. or no pandemic those donkeys need looking after and me and Tia were actually the only two members of staff that were retained to do that job so we spent the whole of lockdown in a castle looking after donkeys and being outside all the time so you know while I would really rather the pandemic hadn't happened there were elements of it Mm -hmm. for us that were kind of wonderful. I I work in education so we had to do all we had to shift to online learning, which is really hard because I teach in the primary sector. Yeah. And so a lot of children don't really have the access to the computers. And I'm more of a kind of get up and walk around the classroom and get down and work with the children. It's It was really tough to do it online, but I was kind of pleased that it was able to keep going. Sure. Um, but my commute to work got a lot shorter, <laughs> probably about 20 seconds from bedroom to school, which was that work. And then when you finish, you can kind of switch off for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which which I kind of enjoy. So I know what you mean, Liam. It was enjoyable to a certain point of view. And I, you know, we we couldn't go anywhere. So forced to no, not forced. Found myself spending a lot more time with my my wife and speaking to friends online. And mm-hmm. even though we were in the house, I kind of communicated more with people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally had a very, very similar experience. Um we have a, a two-year-old um and uh 
course he was he was like 10 months when everything kicked off march last year um so uh so on the one hand we, we feel incredibly blessed in a lot of ways that um we've had so much time with him and see him grow and things like that and we, there wasn't the necessity to put him into a daycare and things like that so we could kind of carry on with our work and all that sort of stuff so um there yeah as nightmarish as it has been there have been some positives to to take from it and um you know that's what i've sort of been trying to kind of keep hold of throughout um it's almost it's almost been harder now that the pandemic feels like it's coming to an end to sort of transition back into what is this new normal and Ooh, yeah. our, our industry hasn't really fully gotten back onto its feet yet so um there's definitely a lot of anxiety around like how, how is this going to work what's it going to look like how you know how's it going to affect us um but uh yeah, just have to strap in and go for the ride and see where it takes us <laughs> yeah. yeah totally so for our listeners uh, you would have heard another voice in there so we are also joined today um by Sai who is a local islander who I've known for a very long time so Sai is going to be here as well talking about his experiences and we do also have Tia here somewhere she is here listening in and will hopefully be chiming in as and when she can so Liam could you just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your fascinating career sure uh, I'll put fascinating in air quotes <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah I'm uh, my name's uh, Liam Liam Garrigan I am an actor um and have been pretty much, pretty much all my life, I suppose. But I've been working professionally for uh, kind of coming up for twenty years now. Um, and I work predominantly in television um, and uh, and film, and I've done occasional bits of theatre and things like that. I started out uh, when I was probably about five, going to youth theatre in Hull, um, which is where size from. Um, and Sai and I both went to school together and um, we were involved in school plays and all sorts of stuff. Um, and I, 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 my main hobby, I suppose, outside of school was um, was with the Northern Theatre Company, which was a, a youth theatre amateur dramatics um, set up. And uh, that's where my obsession, I suppose, my love, my, um, yeah, my, uh, my love of it came from. And uh, when I finished my A-levels, I didn't really have a clue about what I wanted to do. Um, and what I did know was that I didn't want to go on any more essays. So um, <laughs> my mum suggested I uh, maybe have a crack at drama school. And I did and got very fortunate and got into Guildhall School of Music and Drama down in London. I had three amazing years there and um, left there and, and, and went to work, first of all, for the BBC went to uh, to do Holy City and spent <laughs> more or less a year on that show. And then everything's kind of, you know, sort of snowballed from there, really. Um, yeah, uh, I feel very, very fortunate that I've, I've had a, a very varied and exciting uh, career uh, so far to date. <laughs> and uh, fingers crossed, fingers crossed it continues. <laughs> I'm uh, sure it yeah, will. <laughs> sort of me. Sort of me. I have to say it's it's so super cool to be talking to you. Um, my pleasure. Thanks very much for inviting me along. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I think these kinds of conversations are, are, are really important, especially mm. in light of the year that we've sort Absolutely. of been through. So, um, so 
but yeah um yeah thrilled to be part of it and I'm really thrilled that you watched Once Upon a Time. That's <laughs> in in lockdown. Me and Tia used to do virtual date nights where we would watch the same show and we would on WhatsApp be voice recording each other. And Once Upon a Time was one of those things. We had really good intentions at the start. We were going to do it every week, maybe twice a week. I think we got to like episode four of season one, <laughs> and then it just yeah, it fell sure. off. But we're both huge fans and super excited that it's now sort of you know on streaming services that we can just watch it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so had a and I mean the show my involvement in the show finished in 20 2016 I think it was 2015 2016. Um and they did another couple of seasons after the one that I yeah. was involved in. Um and uh, it's sort of been put to bed now but still 3 4 years on um it still has this this amazing fan mm. base and yeah. uh, it, it really struck a chord with them um, with a lot of people uh, and I still I get messages and things like that on, on social, I'm terrible at social media but I do <laughs> get the uh, when I do remember to go on and check it <laughs> there's, yeah there's usually a, a message or two from uh, from fans of the show which is which is amazing yeah it was it, it was honestly um top one of the top three jobs if not the best job I've ever had in terms of um yeah, the, uh, the 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 engagement with fans and and things like that, and and suddenly it was a well, it was a show that you I very very quickly became aware um, had this intense intense fandom around it, <laughs> and they were incredibly welcoming, and and you really felt sort of swept up into this um, crazy, mad, exciting, fantastic, fabulous, bonkers club almost, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was an absolute thrill to be part of, and all the cast were superb. And we, uh, it was filmed in Vancouver, so I got to go and spend a bunch of time in in British Columbia, which was <laughs> amazing. Um, so yeah, I've got nothing but good things to say about that Aww. show. It was, uh, it was fantastic. If I could do it again, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. It's so nice to hear that. I think me I and said to, I said to remake coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me bring back Arthur. Bring back <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> I mean, me and Tia have been fans of it since it first on on TV. And it's been lovely to see like now it has become almost like a cult classic. If you, you know, ever go on Tumblr or Reddit, Once Upon a Time is a huge hashtag. Um, So it's really nice to hear that your experience is so good. When you know that a show you love so much is is so enjoyed by the people on it and they're having a good time making it, 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 you know, it makes it even better. It adds another another layer to it. Absolutely which is lovely. Absolutely. Was it strange being called back to be King Arthur in a different film? <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> Arthur in Transformers. Yeah, yeah, that was... The same, same character with two different directors saying, right, I want you to play Arthur like this, this kind of obsessive person about the dagger. Now I want you to play King Arthur, but there are Autobots. <laughs> completely, absolutely. It was crackers. So I finished on I finished on Once Upon a Time in, in like the, I think it was the March or the April, and then um, came back to the UK and then back onto the, you know, the audition merry-go-round, the hamster wheel, if you like. Uh, and um, suddenly the email came through saying, uh, we've got a, an audition for you. It's to play King Arthur. And I thought it was a wind up. I was like, really? <laughs> oh, I, I've just done that. But yeah, I went down and got to meet Michael Bay, which was terrifying because um, it's Michael Bay. Uh, and, uh, and he was like, yeah, cool. I want you to be my King Arthur. 
I thought, I wonder how this is going to go down. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was a very different type of King Arthur in, in uh, Transformers. So probably uh, much more of this sort of classic, heroic <laughs> knight in shining armour type vibe. Whereas in, in Once Upon a Time, he was this um, obsessive, quite sort of uh, broken kind of guy mm. uh, who felt completely illegitimate and was searching for legitimacy. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was great to go and revisit it, but it was a completely different experience. <laughs> hugely thrilling, really exciting. But um, but yeah, wonder if I get to play it three times, is it like the World Cup? Do you get to keep it forever? Right, keep, yeah. keep the armor. You get to keep the <laughs> yeah, armor completely. Yeah, totally. I keep Excalibur. That'd be great. Put it up on my wall. Talking <laughs> of the World Cup, because we need to get it out of the way. Is is anyone excited about the Euros? I know it's not the World Cup, but it seemed like a nice slide into the fact that we're in the Euro final tonight. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm guessing by the time this podcast goes out, um, we will either be, uh, you know, everyone will, will everyone will know the result. And uh, I mean, I will certainly be watching it tonight. Yes. I cannot call it. It's absolutely fifty. It's really going to be tight, isn't it? The Italians oh, are quite decent. It's the England looking decent. We, we look fantastic. Look best we've ever done. But um, it's the Italians. We never beat the Italians. Be a funny tournament now. Mm, here's hoping. Here's hoping that all the listeners are screaming, going, "It came home! It came home! It came we, did it, we did it! We did it!" And we yeah. haven't just brought back horrible flashbacks of our great defeat. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah, Every, everyone's crying. Everyone's weeping now. <laughs> weeping. Oh, the wounds. Just bringing it back to. Oh, uh, Tia has officially finished lunch. Well, why don't you unmute yourself rather than writing to her? Oh, I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tia. Hi, Tia. Hi. <laughs> I was just going to say I'm leaving the video off because I've been working with donkeys and, and no one needs to see me. <laughs> I see you every day. <laughs> okay. Liam doesn't need to see me. <laughs> I, I have no idea what you look like. I have no idea what you look like. And you can have wonderful imagination about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tia. Welcome. Nice to hear your voice. Thank you. Nice, yeah, nice to meet you virtually. <laughs> so now um, T is with us. So a big part of why we started this podcast was to help normalise conversations that people are having about mental health, because despite mm. how far we've come, um, it's still a very stigmatised subject. It's still a very judged sure subject me and Tia both experienced it ourselves we've both experienced discrimination because of of mental health so we we want to bring people together to talk about their experiences to hopefully reach more people and make them feel more comfortable about their own experiences so Liam what's what's your personal understanding of mental health and do you have any uh, experiences with mental ill health? Well, to answer the second part of that question, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, my the, the acting, the the, um, the entertainment industry um, <sighs> consists of uh, never-ending rejection. Really, <laughs> that's the sort of the the, the main part of uh, of an acting career is you know putting your all into a into an audition sending it out there and it getting knocked back and initially when I first kind of got to the industry and it's you, you understand you have a, you have a you have a, a, a you understand it's part and parcel of it 
and so you sort of rationalize it but um over the years um it's probably not the same for everybody but for myself it uh, it does erode your sense of self sense of comma it has eroded my sense of self and uh more and more uh it's it's harder and more effort to kind of you know put the the armor to uh sort of shield self from all of that um so that, that that's my experience of um mental ill health and that's sort of as manifested in um i guess bouts of depression anxiety um and uh it's something that's kind of crept up on me really over i don't know maybe five or six years um and it'll be there for a period of time and then it'll sort of disappear i'll be in a good place for a while and then it'll sort of kind of creep back in again and it's only really been um through the last year that i've actually uh, decided to take some uh positive steps to address it and uh and try and yeah put some kind of practices in place to uh help mitigate um these feelings and uh, emotions that i have and, and it I, I really it tends to be patterns of thought that um are destructive uh and yeah don't aid uh one's sense of self sense of self-confidence um and uh, so that's what i'm kind of in the middle of or at the beginning of really um sort of uh, looking at and actually the whole thing came about because um a good friend of mine uh taner taner hassan um we've known each other 20 20 years from when i first moved down to london he um is uh, an addiction therapist um and works out in um uh, in essex and uh, he has started uh, online uh, movement with another guy called Den Champ, who's a, an ex-Royal Marine, called Start Your Day on Purpose. And he reached out to me and he was trying to uh, do videos as he could of, of various people from various walks of life. And I think he was trying to get people who had maybe some sort of profile or something like that. Uh, and, he, and he asked me if I would do a little video and want to be involved. And, and it was a very simple thing. It was literally just like straight to camera, hey everybody, just want to say start your day on purpose and he would have 20 30 40, 50 of these videos and he would kind of put them out on social media and hopefully try and start conversation around what is this thing um and then that turned into um him hosting uh, sort of like half an hour 45 minute chats on instagram live and he asked me if i wanted to do that and i was absolutely terrified because i mean I had, up until that point, I had never spoken to anybody about how I felt and the, the, the ups and downs and the roller coaster that I sort of emotional roller coaster that you know you kind of find yourself. And uh, and I said yes mostly because he was my mate and I didn't want to let my mate down. But the closer it came to sitting down and having the conversation, the the, the more anxious I got about it, and then. We had the conversation. I don't know how many people watched, maybe 40 or 50 people or something like that. But I, f I felt great afterwards. And it, it felt like just beginning to have that conversation lifted weight. Um, and so from that point, I 
spoke to him again privately and was like, yeah, I think that, I think it'd be a good thing for me to explore a little further. So, so yeah, that's that's how the, my journey, I suppose, began. That felt like a very long-winded answer, and I hope that answered your question. <laughs> it absolutely did. It's it's really good. You seem very self-aware of your mental health and. You said that you've started putting into place things that you can do to protect yourself. And that's such an amazing thing to be able to do, such a positive thing. Um, It's not easy. And it's also not easy coming face to face with mental health because we, for so long, it's been perceived as, say, a weakness when really it's the same as our physical health. You know, we try and look after our physical health as much as possible. So why on earth are we not doing it for our mental health? I mean, um, so it's it's really sure. good that you have that self-awareness and I'm really grateful that you've shared that experience as well. I think we so often hear such negative stories about mental health, but yours is actually full of so much positivity and hope and things like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and I hope it doesn't. Yeah, I hope it does help in some way. I would also say that I, I very much feel like I am right at the very beginning of my journey so I have a lot of hope and positivity for you know like a good outcome and things like that but I, I I'm very aware that you know it's probably going to be a bumpy road but I'd rather it was a bumpy road to a better place than just continuing on a bumpy road yeah not really knowing what direction I'm going in yeah do you know what I mean um uh yeah so as I say I'm yeah I'm trying to put things in place and, mm-hmm. and be more mindful of um yeah my self my mindset and things like that it's a, probably a little bit trial and error at the moment um but i have i have, a, I have an amazing wife who's hugely supportive and uh yeah so i'm I've, i feel very blessed um, do, you, do you find it quite hard to because it's quite a long process because i know beth's a musician isn't she and she you, you yeah. do the acting it's quite a long process to to you know you, you get the part or she might start writing a song and then you might have to do especially with some of the roles you play where you have to be physically um might go down to, go down to the gym then you might have to go on set you might have to go away she might have to go into the studio how do you kind of keep the focus for such a long period whereas in a play you might step on stage do two hours and then off how do you kind of keep the focus for like a longer extended period of time do you mean the f- focus in terms of focus on the job or focus on sort of well, your own well-being, really? Oh, when well-being. Well, I'd, like, as I say, that's that's the sort of trial and error bit at the moment. We um, we also have a two-year-old, right? So um, so we're still trying to figure out how our careers function while we bring up a two-year-old. So the uh, right now there are a lot of competing factors that you know carry with them uh, degrees of uncertainty and therefore anxiety um so I, I guess a lot of um the work that i'm doing at the moment is trying to sort of mitigate the uh the anxiety that i have around what the future is going to look like for us um while at the same time being fully aware that i'm in an industry that is intensely fickle and i have absolutely no control over it and so the the the, the clash of having no control and being anxious about it and trying to sort of grab hold of some sort of control that is not there is um that's that's quite a tightrope to (laughs) try and balance your way along you know um uh so so yeah i don't actually have a a a a clear answer for that 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 is actually what the, the challenge right now is to 
find our uh, find our path through this. Yeah. The 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 other thing that I've become aware of, um, that is that um, a lot of the the ups and downs that I have experienced really attributed to the the, the highs and lows that go with the career that I'm in. It's feast or famine, and so there are times where you know you you could job, and you know your adrenaline goes through the roof. You're excited. You're on a high. You're on a job. It's a great job. It's hard work. It's long hours but you're, you're in it and you're getting stuck in, you're getting your hands dirty and, you know, you're, you're working. Um, and then and then it all comes to a close. And then you have the sort of the calm down, if you like, from that. And then you're back on the audition treadmill. And so my peaks and troughs always felt like they were with uh, the peaks and troughs of the industry. Um, but uh, I have to sort of like figure out how I, as an individual, can be better most mm. of the time, as much as I possibly can be. Uh, and so I, I have to like separate myself from the industry and my mental health has to be um, something that I work on 24-7 just for myself. And I can't use the, the highs and the lows that I experience in the industry as, as my medication, if you like. I think me... Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I think me, Tia, and Sai understand what it is you're you're expressing um you can't use your peaks and troughs as a way of masking or managing your mental health that's just not sustainable it's really it's really refreshing to hear someone know you know have that clearer picture you might not feel like you have a clear picture but from what you're saying it sounds that you've already set yourself up for a you know a a more positive journey yeah I think I'm I know what I would like to achieve. I know where I would like to get to. Yeah. Uh, I have very little idea right now of how I get there, how long it's going to take to get there and, and all that sort of stuff. But I have, I have a goal in mind. Good. And that goal in mind is regardless of what happens in the industry, I am as much as I possibly can be the best version of myself. Yeah. As often as I can be. Um, one of the things that I f- have found myself doing often when in the sort of looking back uh, um you know the good times that sort of happened just after I left college and everything was sort of easy and free flowing and all that sort of stuff and um there's a sort of yearning to want to recapture that kind of youthful exuberance and the um free spiritedness that you that I kind of I don't know I've sort of romanticized I think at this point that that, that I was living in my sort of early mid 20s uh, late 20s things like that. um and i i have sort of come to uh, an understanding that that's a helpful process for me to be looking backwards this way at what has been um and uh yeah it's not about trying to recapture that it's mm-hmm. about trying to find a new centeredness now um, which is interesting because that's a lot of what acting is a good performance you do it once and something happens something intangible happens for that one moment and then you can as a run the risk of trying to repeat the trick uh, and so you work very hard to recreate exactly what happened organically and magically that one time 
but you can you can't do that it doesn't ever work like that you try and grab harder and harder harder onto the, the performance to try and recapture that thing it's a completely elusive so you have to simply just surrender yourself to what happens in the moment and then you'll have a completely new and exciting experience um and so i if i can sort of translate <laughs> that into <laughs> everyday life that would be nice <laughs> um yeah we used to have um had an amazing teacher when i was at drama school called martin connor I had lots of amazing teachers at the drama school but martin connor was was uh, was was really something and um he always talked about the critic that we have that lives in the back of our head and there's an actor that critic always rears its ugly head the most inappropriate time on stage and comments chirps in your ear constantly that wasn't very good they don't like you this is not going very well tonight you were so much better last night you should really give up on it. Did you mean this, this, uh, and he called it, excuse my language, the little fucker. Um, and, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and so that, that, that image of this, this little critic um, has really stayed with me. And that's, I could sort of sonify my thought processes that I'm trying to, um, get a handle on mm. it would be exactly that that I have this this critic that's here all the time that's not commenting on my performances although it is always but it's also commenting on me as an individual and me as a person and a human being and and yeah sort of like like chips away at me and I, I know intuitively that like I'm not, I'm not a bad person. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm not a amazing person. I'm not bad. I'm just a blur. I'm just a person, right? You know, I'm, I'm normal. But this little critic sits there and goes, mm, mm, finds the thing that like hurts and just constantly like, prods it and prods it and prods it. Um. So yeah, I want to get rid of, <laughs> not, not get rid because you can't get rid, but just accept that, that that's there, um, and maybe just get it to be a bit quieter from time to time <laughs> stop shouting so loud you're very loud Hannah do you mind if I just interject I was looking at your facial expressions going aha we yeah that little critic <laughs> I thought I'd brave by the way I felt like a really like weird lurker without my camera on um <laughs> so I was just laughing because um yeah we talk about this all the time but I've I just written a, a scripture about this very thing because uh, when I had therapy, there's a recommended tactic that you give your brain, all the voice in your brain that's saying all those things, another name to just sort of add a degree of separation so that it doesn't feel like you're hurting yourself in that way. It's like just someone else. So little fucker is a great name. <laughs> would, would it like that? Call mine Maria because, you know, Tia Maria. Yeah. Uh, very original um but yeah I've written a whole script about it except in the script it becomes a physical manifestation which I thought would be very funny but um cool. yeah it's um I think everyone has one but uh, yeah yeah absolutely absolutely do you, do you find it um hardly that people look at 
specifically like actors and I suppose stand-up comedians as well, perhaps teachers, you know, people who are um, grounded or seeming grounded and seeming professional and with it all the time, that people sometimes look at people and go, well, you can't have any mental health issues. You can't have a critique because you're playing this person who's super confident. You're, you're playing this king or standing in front of a class of 30 year old or 30 children, or, you know, you're standing on stage telling jokes. You can't have any because how could you do that? How could you stand on stage if you had a, a mental health? That's surely not possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That uh, you see people having those conversations or making those comments, definitely. Yeah, all the time. The the, the idea that, um, like, I, I understand that there's for someone who doesn't spend time on a stage performing or anything like that, that the idea of that must seem like incredibly brave. It, it takes a lot of courage to stand up in a room full of people and, you know, tell a story or, or, or whatever. For me, it's never my words. It's somebody else has written it. So I have it. Like you know, it's like putting on a character is like putting on a bit of armor. Really, I'm not speaking as me. Although there's elements of my life experience that you sort of feed into the uh, the reality of, of of the character. But it's not me. It is a character. Yeah, I, uh, people who stand up and tell their own story I find amazing because that's terrifying <laughs> opening yourself up completely right um so yeah yeah I, I I I do I do see that side um but at the same time doesn't matter what work you do doesn't matter what what you do at all in life everybody's an individual and you know at the end of the day everyone's you know got bills to pay they've you know they've got hopes and dreams that they will or won't quite achieve and you know yeah it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what you do and courage is such a, a relative thing isn't it i mean there are there are things that we we maybe perceive as as easy things to do but someone else would find that quite nerve-wracking you know i will happily That's stand on the stage you ask me to get on a bus to go somewhere i'm out i can't like that gives me the absolute horrors and it's not it's not the bus I'm not afraid of people it's just that 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 tra- public transport terrifies me Tia I know you have your own anxieties but you've been to some of the world's most dangerous countries like traveling Tia is this bloody goddess and hero and so you stand up in front of like a, a class of children courage is so relative you know you should celebrate that actually people are forever going up against their fears and, and putting themselves out of their comfort zones completely completely and also i think from from a mental health point of view it's it's good to recognize what that is in self and mm. allow allow yourself a little bit of congratulations that yeah that's hard it's a hard thing to do it's a hard thing to you know stand up in front of a class of of kids and impart wisdom <laughs> <laughs> like i couldn't do that that's astonishing um you know so yeah like you know you're traveling to you oh yeah so all of those things mm. it's um yeah it's necessary to to sort of just go give you give yourself a break because yeah. what you're doing in, in in this situation is amazing it is amazing um i also have it i also i have an issue doing that with myself because um i don't know whether it's a i don't know whether it's a male thing or whether it's a yorkshire thing um, but the, with that sort of element of self-congratulations, it feels very 
self-indulgent. And so as soon as I do that, the critics back going, <laughs> yeah, what, what, what you do? Who do you think you are? You can't, you can't say that yourself. <laughs> sure up and get on with it. Get on with it. Sure up morning. Sure up morning. Talking of the little fucker, because I'm sure we all have one. All morning I was like, you you can't interview Liam Garrigan. Who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> all morning I've been sitting there going, what on earth have you got to say about mental health on a mental health podcast? Like, you're such a fraud. This guy is, I'm like, well... Amazing, isn't it? Uh, well, right. yeah. We all need to swap brains. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... that's a Totally. Re- that's a really good point, though, what you've just said, Liam. Like, you know, what do I have to say? Regardless of anyone's experience, whether it's short term or long term, everyone's experience of mental health is valid. There's no there's no rules. There's no you have to have experienced at least this, this, this and this to qualify for our club of mental ill health. It doesn't work like that. Like it, there are no rules. Everyone's experience is so valid, even if you've only had like a day, a week, a month you know your whole life all of those experiences are just as valid as each other and I think that's so important for people to hear because get imposter syndrome they think oh you know I I shouldn't be talking about this or I don't have anything to say when actually you have a lot to say and your your experience is is yours it's personal and and it's just as important as anyone else's for sure absolutely absolutely one of the big questions yeah. I did want to ask, this is a two-pronged question, really. So my main question is, do you think people working within your profession are particularly vulnerable to mental ill health, whether it be you know, a, a healthy work-life balance, challenging workloads, rejection? And then the other side of the question I have is, anyone that has any sort of celebrity status, do you feel like they are more vulnerable. And I'm thinking about, for instance, some of the examples over the last two years, Laura Bailey, who is a voice actress, um, and she was in the second instalment of the Last of Us franchise. She got death threats because gamers didn't like what her character did. I won't give spoilers. Wyatt Russell and Falcon and Winter Soldier deleted his social media presence because fans didn't like his character. So he, he was attacked. So I think what I'm asking is, do you think people in your position are you more vulnerable should more be in place for people like yourself and and your colleagues and should the public be more accountable for the way they treat actors celebrities and um anyone that's in the the, the sort of the public eye well i, I would say on that second part um mm. absolutely um and i specifically social media companies need to do much much more to combat online abuse um i mean the the reports just in the last week of the the vitriol and abuse that's been thrown at the england football team like pre-match because fans haven't agreed with the team selection or, or whatever it is um is uh horrific and uh yeah i have a very tricky relationship always have had a very tricky relationship with um, social media, um, partly because I'm, I've, I've, I am very uncomfortable with um, the sort of requirements to give so much of myself <laughs> to these platforms. Um, I, yeah, I, again, I, I, yeah, it makes me hugely uncomfortable to post pictures of 
like me at home cooking or whatever it is you know what I mean? i'm just like it's so i can't do it um uh, i don't like offering that stuff up for critique i suppose um so i have sort of always purposefully sheltered myself from uh social media so i haven't really ever had um to deal with any of that sort of stuff um however i know it's rife and i know it happens all the time constantly to so many people lots of um lots of actors and um musicians that i've, I've all actors that I've worked with um, have been subjected to this sort of thing. So certainly somewhere the buck has to up um, and it's really hard to like governments to legislate, but social media companies have to do something. They have to, mm. I, I don't have the answer. I don't know what it is, but it's, uh, it can't continue as it certainly is, is at the moment. Um, it does, it's not getting better. It doesn't seem to be getting better. Um, it, it's becoming ever more divisive and it's full of vitriol. And it's a, it's, it's a real shame. It's very sad. Um, on the part of the question, are um, our industry more susceptible, susceptible to um, mental ill health? I mean, possibly because of the nature of, uh, of the industry, the, uh, the amount of rejection. And it's, it's expected that you simply accept that it's, part and parcel of the industry it is part and parcel of the industry so you do have to accept that but the fallout from that is the emotional fallout from that the mental health fallout from that is basically on you to deal with yeah. there are no um there's 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 no sort of industry-wide uh protocol in place to kind of aid in those situations uh again i don't know how you could but um but yeah, my, certainly, you know, I can really only speak from my own personal experience, but yeah, the, the, the way the industry um, operates and functions, yeah, natural balance of it is, uh, you know, emotional, incredible emotional highs and then incredible emotional lows. And, you know, over time, the seesawing of that, uh, for me, just, ha yeah, has been harder and harder and harder to deal with. Uh, that being said, I don't want to do it, so... I've got to find a way of yeah. managing it because it's, it's the only thing I know how to do. So if I don't do it, then, you know, I'm kind of up the creek without a paddle. So You mentioned um, the expectation on things you have to do. Um, and there was the Wimbledon tennis player whose name escapes me, who refused to do the press interviews afterwards. Was it um, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you see celebrities and there is, I'll do air quotes, expectations of you do a film you do a press tour you do the chat shows you do the red carpet you do the premiere is there any of that kind of um requirement that you you go oh i could really do without this or do you do you feel obliged to do you feel comfortable in saying to the director no i i can't do a press tour because i'm looking at I mean, I'll, I'll i'll be honest with you i am nobody asks to go and do press tours i'm not big name. i don't i don't sell enough seats at the cinema so i haven't i haven't had to come up with that uh, come up against that sort of uh pressure um I, I mean if you i know how very dead come on come on great come on graham norton come as on, soon as come this on, podcast goes live on. that phone's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I can only imagine that, yeah, a, a heavy amount of responsibility. If you're the, you know, one of the lead actors in a 
Marvel franchise, the, uh, the amount of pressure on your shoulders, or, or you know, you, you know, Star Wars, any of these like huge moth franchises. If if you flick through the channels, you see them on a variety of chats, then it seems to be the same questions being asked to them all the time for sure to the same actors and they always have the kind of the professional look on their face where they're kind of nodding and answering questions very genuinely as if they've never been asked it before but i can imagine it being real grind you know oh they're going to ask me about this character again and oh they're going to ask me about oh how i got fit to get into the spandex and they're going to ask me about how the and all this kind of stuff and you think i feel quite sorry for them in a way yeah for sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, from my point of view, I, I go on a job and really the only thing I have to worry about is whether or not I, I do a good job or not. All of that other stuff, I tend not to really have to, I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I don't really get asked to do all that other stuff, but um, it might, yeah, it's high pressure. Not only do you have to like nail your performance on the on the day when it's shot, but you, you have all of the stuff afterwards that, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars mm. hang off of you know you you are not just an actor at that point you're you're a salesperson for for a, for a studio or for a franchise that's not to say like you know i've not had the experience i would be i'd be well up for having a go at it definitely um but yeah it would it would come with a hell of a lot of anxiety i'd be absolutely terrified i was gonna say as well on like on that sort of topic of social media and, and the demand not, not only do you have the negative side but as someone who is quite an intense fan hopefully not to a point where I um, cross a line with any of the people I'm you know a fan of there's such a um, small degree of separation now between fans and celebrities you know you've got comic cons they are on social media and um, every single fan sort of expects like that one-to-one and, and like the, the, the biggest fan in the world and that, that pressure of, you know, always having that face on and, and um, being a good, like being good to your fans, but all the time never being able to switch off. Yeah, that, that must be so hard. I going to say on the, the, the social media thing, although I, my anxieties are my own creation. <laughs> they all come from me. It's not from anything that I've experienced or had to deal with online. Um, I, I, I would like to be a lot better and more comfortable in my own skin to not care as much about what I post. I, it, you know, it's ridiculous. I'll spend hours agonizing over a simple Instagram post or something like that, which is why I probably <laughs> I post one every like three months or something like that. But I've, I've, had, I've had some amazing experiences and, and got to meet some incredible people. And especially in like the, the fan art uh, world, um, there's been some absolutely astonishing pieces of art created of various characters that, you know, I've had the fortune to play and of, of other characters that have, uh, you know, of other actors that um, have sort of worked alongside in shows and things like that. And um, and actually getting to sort of have a bit of a dialogue with the, the people who create these amazing things has been fantastic. Um, so there, yeah, there, there is there is a lot of negativity around social media, and, and definitely a lot needs to be done mm. around um, online hate. Uh, but also, there is a huge amount of positivity to come out of social media. It connects people mm. in ways that we've never really been able to connect before. Yeah. So yeah, it's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? All you, all you can do is call it out when if you see it, yeah. call it out. 
call it out for what it is. It's unacceptable behavior. And I do believe that the vast majority of people in the world, vast majority of people who are on social media platforms and things like that, they're, they're good people. They're good human beings. It's, it's, it's the minority that yeah. caused these issues. And so, you know, I guess it's, it's, it's on, it's on us to, to call out bad behavior when, when we see it and hopefully the tide will turn. And, uh, yeah. People realise that it's just not acceptable. Um, Sai, I know you were particularly um, interested in this next question. So- I was going to ask, have you ever had to play a character with poor mental health, kind of um, um, health? And then if so, what was the process like? Because I know you mm-hmm. did the terror where you had to kind of portray Jobson and having to deal with a lot of mental kind of uh, difficulties and exhaustion, things like that. But have you ever had to play a character who's suffered from mental health sure yeah um, yeah i have um i did a play at the um donmar warehouse uh maybe 10 10 years ago something like that um uh, called moonlight it was a, a harold pinter play and um the play is about a uh, father who is on his deathbed and he is estranged from his sons. And so the, the stage is set up on one side of the stage, you have the father in the bed with the mother uh, or his wife caring for him. And they have these uh, cantankerous ass man. Um, and, uh, and she does everything she can to sort of, you know, placate him. And on the other side of the stage are the two brothers. And um, one of the brothers is, uh, bedridden uh and i played that brother and um the play flips between these two scenarios the father asking his wife why his sons aren't coming to visit him and and gradually as the play unfolds you realize that they've effectively cut themselves off from him because he's he's not a nice bloke i I played the 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 younger brother Uh, he's agoraphobic um uh onto deep bouts of depression and the uh, the older brother uh tends looks after him so it's sort of mirrored on either side of the of the, of the stage and the, the the older brother's uh way of trying to rouse his younger brother is that they play these really mad intricate word games and at first when you read it on the page it's like gobbledygook it seems like they they, they talk in movie quotes and um advertising slogans and, and, and things like that. And they play these games and these games go so far to sort of uh, bring the young brother uh, out of his depressive state. But eventually the question of the father and whether or not they're going to go and visit the father comes up. And so the cycle, he goes back down again. Um, so yes, that was, a, it was a very intense experience to um, play that night after night. We did a run of... I think we were five weeks. Yeah, five weeks, eight shows a week. Um, and it was, yeah, I, I, I wasn't prepared for uh, the after effects of, of playing a, a character like that. Um, I didn't go into it feeling nervous or uh, uncomfortable or unsettled about trying to portray 
somebody in this situation. Um, but uh, it was it was my wife actually, um, Beth, who, uh, who who said towards the end of the show, she was like, "Are you all right?" Because I mean, yeah, it had affected me, and I I changed, and it took me it took me a good couple of months to sort of get it out of my system. Um, and in terms of the process of getting into that headspace, I didn't, I didn't do sort of like the conventional research of, of, of going and speaking to people with that condition or anything, anything like that. It, it, it really was attempting to manifest it from within really. Um, a lot of sitting and being very quiet and trying to sort of drop myself psychologically into what I think that headspace would be. Um, and um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a fascinating play to do. It was mentally exhausting. Um, and uh, yeah, and as I said, it, it, it did take me a while to, flush all of that out of my system well, um, was it a bit more intense because i don't know if you know the don my hand here but it's tiny it's a yeah. really tiny theater it's like a living room they do some um, absolutely amazing amazing work there. And, and they i'm assuming they still have this set up but um doesn't matter who you are whether you're a super a-list celebrity that opens massive movies or if you're you know Spear carrier number <laughs> six. Um, everybody's on the same wage, so it's completely. Uh, it's all about the quality, and everybody's there just to pull together and make the best show they possibly can. So, um, yeah, that was that was really that was really cool. And yeah, they they, they produce some absolutely amazing pieces of work. So yeah, do you prefer TV or theatre? Well, I suppose they're different, aren't they? Really, because film and TV is maybe different from theatre. But which one My, do you? Massively. Um, I don't. I don't have a preference. There's not one that I prefer over the other. I massively miss the stage. I haven't been on the stage for like seven years, um, and that's not through choice. That has simply been the projects that have come my way um, have been screen projects. Uh, I uh, yeah. I want to get back on the stage desperately for two reasons. Uh, one, because it's getting to the point now where I'm starting to get quite fearful of what that experience is going to be like, because it's been so long. And um, and secondly, there is something that you get in um, theatre that isn't always there in screen work. Um, the rehearsal process is so refreshing once you've been on doing TV stuff or film stuff for a while. Um because you have the luxury of making as many mistakes as you want for like three weeks and sort of honing this, this piece into the shape that you want it to be as a collective. Um, it tends to be that in, in my experience anyway, in screen work, a lot of it initially happens in isolation. I'll be in my room um, with a script kind of creating all of this stuff in my head and learning lines and um, trying to nail down what it is that I want to do. And then you turn up on set and everybody else has been doing that in their own little individual bubbles. And then in a very short space of time, you all have to try and fit these jigsaw pieces together um, and make it 
work. So the collaborative aspect of working on the screen is uh, very concentrated. Um, whereas in theatre, you have this sort of three weeks or more sometimes, which feels incredibly luxurious to <laughs> play and figure it out and things like that. And, and I think ultimately uh, my experiences of theatre, I've always come out at the end feeling like a better actor. Like I have I've had a chance to hone my craft in uh, in a more specific way than I maybe get to when I do screen work. Um, and you're also you're also honing a very different type of craft. The technical aspects of doing stuff on, on screen, um, I'm you know, I have to yeah, I'm learning that constantly, constantly, constantly. Um, so yeah, that's the reason why I want to get back on the stage. Yeah, uh, it, it almost feels like a like a workout, like a like an acting. <laughs> going and doing <laughs> to the gym and doing a lot of bench presses or something like that, but just specifically for acting. I suppose when you're on stage, you can't stop. No, no completely, completely. Words. I mean, kind of, we now do some Shakespeare at Carriagebrook Castle, mm. and you do have that collaborative reason, the rehearsal style. But then as soon as the audience are there and the director says, go, you're there, you're Oberon, and there's no turning back. You yeah, just absolutely. keep going and going and going. And you kind of hang on for dear life a lot of times because I remember there was one speech going, I don't know, I don't know, I can't remember my line. And it was ill met, which is yeah. really commonly known line. Just about to go on stage, it's gone, it's gone. You have <laughs> to go on. You have to go on. And then from somewhere, it comes. It's magic, this magic moment. And uh, that's what's, whether you're on screen or whether you're on stage, the, the beauty. I find and what I find constantly thrilling and elusive ways in acting is, is those moments where two people or more in a scene are all just absolutely balancing on this one tightrope and everybody's managing to do it and keeping keeping afloat and all that sort of stuff and it's, it's, it's alive and electric and things like that and um beauty of theatre is you know you you can you can try and do that multiple times with exactly the same um, piece, um, and uh, yeah, each piece has a has a life of its own. It starts out as one thing, and then you know, three weeks later, you're at the end of the run. And somebody that comes to watch the play at the beginning and at the end of the run will see a completely different yeah. play, and you haven't even realised that it's sort of grown and adapted and morphed into something else. It sort of happens outside of what it is that you're kind of creating. It's yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, um, you were recently in um, Terror, which had a very small ensemble cast. Was that a bit more like theatre? Um, some ways, yes. In other ways, uh, no, because the um, the sets that we were shooting on were incredibly restrictive. So the, the technical aspects of actually getting the shots done um, meant that... Uh, it did feel at times quite fragmented um, and you were, you were just sort of trusting that the final product, the final show, once it's all, once these all the disparate pieces of the jigsaw that are shot every single day kind of get put together um, works and, you know, we had brilliant directors on it. So, you know, you kind of knew that it would, but um, everything's obviously shot out of sequence um, because because it was an ensemble piece, there, there would be 
like entire sections of the story that you would read in the scripts, but you would never see a second of it happening. Um, and so, you know, 70% of the show doesn't, it doesn't exist tangibly until you sit down and watch the final, final product when it's put out on the TV. So, um, so yeah, sort of, but, but yeah, not really. You know, we were talking about the little fucker earlier, the little cricket in the back of one's mind. Since Tia left us, but what, 60 seconds ago, I have received several texts. She's basically now agonising over everything she said. That critic, when actually she was lovely and... Completely. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's fantastic questions. And um, yeah, they got to tell the critic to stop giving her such a hard time. I've been speaking to somebody over the the last few weeks about, you know, um, mental health and things like that. And uh, and one of the things that she said, which I thought was really helpful, was that um, it's not about trying to get rid of the critic because the critic is not you, a part of you. And basically the critic is actually trying to help you. It's just going about it in the worst way possible. And so trying to reframe what Nanakulfaka is doing um, by saying, thank you, but this isn't helping right now. Over time, hopefully it starts to quieten down and you one begins to have a little more autonomy from it and you it, it will never go away because it's part of you but eventually it will sort of get quieter or it will just sort of change its tactic and not be quite so destructive and vindictive and debilitating um but yeah it's it's a bit of you that's trying to help you that has just gone wrong. <laughs> it's just, it's doing it the wrong way. And it doesn't I, I find that from teaching, you know, when I'm teaching a lesson, there's always that little critic that goes, well, you should have asked this question or you maybe should have done this. And you mm. find yourself when I first started teaching, it was constantly there. This is terrible. What are you doing? Why are you a teacher? But now, as you say, it diminishes over time. It's now going, I probably wouldn't have done that. Never mind. And you kind of just move on. Yeah. And I'm very lucky to be able to work with new teachers. I go and lecture in pedagogy over at uh, universities. And I do t- tell the, t- the, the, the student teachers, it does get easier. It is hard. It's mm. the, I think it's the best career in the world, but they're slightly biased. But it is hard. It <laughs> easier. Donkeys working donkeys. That's, that's a very good career too. Um, but it does get. I'm sure. Do, do you find that yourself? That when you start started acting, maybe the, the critic was a bit louder, but or has it kind of changed over time? It's uh, weirdly. It's it's almost been the inverse for me. Um, when I started acting, it was almost like I didn't know any better. So, you know, I was just like throwing myself into everything, and <laughs> everything was a new and exciting experience. So um, that's what was sort of carrying me along. And the experiences were so much fun that I didn't really have to listen to this little guy. But gradually over time, this little entity that uh, makes all the comments has um, just gotten a bit louder. 
and 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 that's what has that that's what is my my mental health journey i suppose is um trying to deal with that and the anxiety that it causes um or brings up in me um so yeah it's it, it, interestingly it's been the sort of inverse and i would be fine if it was simply making the comments on my work and the performances that i was you know turning out but um it's when it starts to cross over in like who i am as a, an individual and makes you know critique of everything that i do and say unfairly that that i'm like i i really need i really need to deal with this now because it's not it's not helping me in my day-to-day -day life and that affects everything the work that i do and um, the enthusiasm with which i want to throw myself into a new project uh, you, you know uh, i have to sort of starting to when i when i have to really really work hard manufacture enthusiasm for what i love to do that's a problem and I, you know, I need to i need to deal with that thing because that's not it's, it's just not going to work for me going forward so yeah. so yeah it's, it's it's actually been the inverse for me so have you spoken to other people in your career you know the same kind of level of acting uh, status that you are do do they share stories about similar things um because there's been a lot of report about footballers being encouraged to open up to their their squad mates and say well because we're all in the same situation um can we share is there a similar thing that happens with with actors do you say well i've i've got this critic there and someone goes oh i've i've had that too i well i'm i'm hopeful that that will be something that will come um I, you know as as i sort of like kind of continue on this on this journey as i say I'm, I'm, i feel very much like i'm at the beginning of it so uh no in all honesty i haven't had um those kinds of conversations with my peers um i am sure that everybody has thing and everyone ha will have their own ways of, of of dealing with it um right now i'm i don't know sorting <laughs> out sorting out my own little kingdom <laughs> as much as i can and then uh, i'm hopeful to you know it'll be easier for me to have those conversations i'll have a better grasp a better understanding of um my coping strategies and my you know and, and all that sort of stuff um which is why you know podcasts like this uh, are so vital because it it, it makes these conversations uh, real and tangible and that can only be a good thing moving forward that's the hope we appreciate we are a little podcast on the isle of wight at the bottom of the uh, the big the big island but ultimately we just want we want to help and we want to start people on their journeys or we want to start people having those conversations you know not everyone's going to want to talk about it but if they can listen they know that they're not alone and they know that it's actually not that abnormal to feel these things and as I said at the beginning of the podcast and probably 50 times before we started the podcast I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking to us the Isle of Wight has such a high volume of young budding actors and actually there's a lot of talent on the island and there's probably a lot of very prosperous careers that are going to come from a lot of the youngsters here oh, I say youngsters it makes me feel mm. so old um, and hearing someone <laughs> <laughs> hearing someone uh, you know like yourself talk about these experiences and normalizing it 
is is I'm hoping going to fill them with positivity and it's been lovely to talk to you and I hope I really hope you've got something from it as well and yeah we're just we're just so grateful that you've given your time and you've talked about your experience with us absolutely my my absolute pleasure um really is uh thank you for inviting me on and saying this stuff out loud it it, it, it focuses all of this stuff for me in a way once it's outside of oneself um it's easier to sort of look at and put all of this stuff kind of into context and, mm. yeah um for me anyway it gives me it, yeah it means i I'm, I'm able to look at it and understand how I go about fixing these things, getting it outside of yourself, having these conversations, uh, yeah, takes takes some weight and pressure off. So yeah, it's been, it's been my pleasure to go and basically use your podcast as a therapy session. <laughs> if you're ever in the area and you want some donkey therapy, pop hey. into, into Carisbrook Castle. I'm sure. Happy but, days. Uh, I have. I'll be happy to say. see you too. Working with donkeys the last seven years, I have saved hundreds of pounds on therapy fees. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. They're, Beautiful. They're very good listeners. <laughs> well, Sai, thank you for hooking this thank up. Thank you very I'm much really for applying. And, really uh, good. Oh, mate, and so good to see you. It's been yeah. a, a very long time. Yes. <laughs> time is going. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My 40th is looming large. So. Yes. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wow, you don't look it. Oh, bless you, bless you. I will definitely come back on your podcast another time. <laughs> well, when you're when you're in Marvel, you know, as as whoever you know, they they eventually see that they need you in Marvel. Um, Probably be King Arthur, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably. <laughs> But no, it, it, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's just been been wonderful. And it, yeah, it's been lovely. Oh, pleasure. To, to speak. Well, I hope, yeah, just hope that the listeners get something positive out of it because it's been a yeah really positive and, experience for me. So uh, thank you. Liam, Sai, Tia, it's been an amazing afternoon of conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been, it's been fantastic. So thank you so much. Uh, from my point of view thank you guys so much for for having me on it's been yeah a real real pleasure if you have been affected by any of the topics covered in today's podcast please see our show notes on our facebook page for our suggested contacts if you're interested in talking on our podcast please get in touch through the facebook page we'd love to hear from you stay safe you wonderful people